give it up for the band leading us in worship. Oh, I hope everyone is excited, ready to go. It's a rainy day outside, but the sun is shining in here. Uh, we started a new series called The Light several weeks ago. If you are just catching up in here, I'm going to give you a refresher of where we're at in just a moment. Um, we started the story of Gideon inside of the series, and we're going to see uh, two weeks from now that Gideon has this miraculous victory where he smashes this clay pot, this light shines out, and God gives them a victory just by smashing the clay pot without having to fight the actual battle. And so it's amazing deliverance that ultimately occurs. But I wanted to back up and take the steps that it, it was necessary for Gideon to get to that point. And so each week we're going over a step. Last week we found Gideon, and Gideon was dominated by their enemies. The, the, that says that the, the Midianites came up and, and they had surrounded the Israelites and they had taken everything from them because Israel, the Israelites had uh, failed to listen to God. They ignored God and they went into sin. And we, we learned a very valuable lesson last week that everybody enjoyed. We had a rubber band on everyone's seat and then the person beside you pulled it until it broke. And if you've never done that experiment with a rubber band, one person gets snapped, okay? And so we said that sin is always going to cause pain. And that was true for half of the audience last week. And so we found Gideon, he was threshing wheat and he was in a wine vat or a, a, a hole that they would, they would press the grapes down into. And so he was hiding because you're supposed to thresh this wheat out in the open. So he was scared that the enemy was going to take what he had created, take what he had produced. And sometimes we live in that fear, like someone is going to take, if I make something, someone's just going to come along and take it. Sometimes we feel that way in relationships. And so there's all kinds of fears that we face, and especially during this corona crisis. And so I hope that we can watch Gideon's steps, and then we can compare our lives to his. And we're going to pick up this week with God confirming the oath. Because last week, God said that, he said, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. And Gideon said, I don't think that you got the right guy. And he began to argue with God. And we learned that sometimes we can't see in ourselves what God sees in us. And there's strength that he's put in us that we don't even know is in there. And if we'll allow ourselves to follow after him, we will get to and we will find these things that he has put inside of us. And so Gideon is on the road to discovering who he is in Christ. Many of us are going to face these similar struggles where God is trying to get us to move, but we are reticent, we are reluctant, and so God is going to give us more affirmation to move us along the path. But at some juncture, we must surrender. As we're thinking about that, I've entitled the message today, Today for Tonight. Today for Tonight. And what I'm going to mean by that is we're going to see that Gideon gets a message during the day that was connected to the next message he was going to get that night. But if he didn't respond during the day, if he didn't respond in worship, then he wouldn't have received the message in the darkness. And so what we do in the light is connected to what we feel in the darkness. And so we have to trade our worship for today for a message in the night. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait to preach it. I hope y'all are ready to hear it. Are y'all ready to go? Let's get a little, let's get a little pep round. Okay, so now that we got that all out of our system, um, there was a guy, uh, what was his name? Something McDonald, Kyle McDonald. Um, several years back, he was a 26-year-old Canadian, and he's famous for trading 
a red paperclip ultimately for a two-story house. Anybody by show of hands ever heard the story? Anybody? He was sitting around one day and he was asking himself, you know, what could I do with this red paper clip? And he traded it. He traded it for a fish pen, okay? And then that fish pen got traded for this, traded for that. And it really accelerated when he traded something for an instant party pack, which was a keg of beer and a neon Budweiser light. Now, I don't know if you have that at your house, but if you're looking to take your trade skills to the next level, you might need one of those. And so he traded the keg and the neon light for a snowmobile. Wow, right? I don't know how much a snowmobile is worth, but it's, it's worth a lot more than a keg and a neon light. And then he was able to trade this neon light and this keg for the snowmobile. And then ultimately he got to uh, an, an afternoon with Alice Cooper, does anybody remember that guy back in the day? Poison! Anyway, and so, uh, and, and then a snow globe that had Kiss, the band, in it, right? Beth, I hear you. That was a deep cut. Um, and so, so then, apparently, Corbin Burnson, does anybody remember that guy? L.A. Law, anybody? No? All the young people are like, I don't have no idea. Corbin Burnson apparently is this world-class snow globe connect, uh, collector, and so he trades for the snow globe with Kiss in it for a part in a movie to which he then trades that to a city that's going to have a tryout for a part in a Corbin Burnson film for a two-story house. And I was like, what? what? Paperclip, one year, 14 trades, two-story house. Do you think that we oftentimes sit around and ask ourselves, like, oh, I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything to give. I don't, I don't have anything that I can offer. I don't, I don't have anything valuable. A paperclip. A paperclip. Creativity with a trade 14 times turned it into a two-story house. What I want you to see at the outset of this message is that everything in life is really a trade-off. Like you, you're always trading for something that you perceive to have greater value. And so when it comes to your profession, right? When you're at work, constantly making trade-offs. You're saying, how much time do I have to allocate to that? And then how much reward am I going to get? What's my ROI? And then how late am I going to have to stay? And that's going to have a trade-off for my family time. And then if you're going to get your kids involved in sports, how much is the trade-off for sports versus time with the wife or uh, compromising on date night? And then if I'm going to get involved in church, then am I going to make these sacrifices over here so that I can prioritize church? And, and what you learn over time is, that, man, everything is a trade-off. And, and it would be easy if like you could get all of that to be the same constant, like the amount of time you need to devote to your marriage today might not be that time it needs tomorrow. The time that your, your boss or your company needs from you today, it won't be the same. Have y'all noticed that it changed almost on a daily basis? Anybody else had this feeling? And like, so you're trying to like find your footing, but the variables are constantly changing. How do we handle all of this stress? How do we handle all of this chaos what do we plant our feet on to have security? And I'm going to submit to you that we found Gideon cowering in this hole of a wine press, threshing wheat, and God was trying to tell him that he had something to trade for, that he could become the mighty warrior, that he had strength inside him he didn't know he possessed. And you had to trade what you believe about yourself for what God has called you to be. And I promise you, if you'll trade, 
what you believe about yourself for what God has called you to be. That is the road to this incredible life that God has planned out for you. So I hope that we can get on the roller coaster of Gideon and we're going to get to the light in a couple of weeks. It says where we left off in Judges chapter six, the Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, I don't know if anyone ever prays for God to go Old Testament on your enemies. Anybody ever had that? I know you're a good Christian, but like sometimes you're like, God, strike them down. And then like Jesus comes along in the New Testament, it's like, turn the other cheek. And so I don't know which God you're praying to, the Old Testament or the New Testament, but this morning I just thought it was interesting that God said, uh, not one of them is going to be alive when I get done. So verse 17, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Have you ever had this discussion with God? Anyone in here like you felt like a prompting, you felt like a, like a, I need to do something, but you don't, you don't want to be crazy. Has anybody else ever had this? Like, well, God, are you, is that you? Is that you talking to me? Talking to you? Is that, you see me? I see you. And so you're like, you're, you're sitting there trying to figure it out. And I will tell you a good litmus test for your knowing whether or not it's the voice of God. Is there a sacrifice? Is there a sacrifice? Because if you can do God's will without a sacrifice, that's going to run contrary to the norm of the scriptures. In fact, we're getting ready to see that Gideon is going to have to bring a sacrifice. He's going to have to lose something in order to follow after God. So you might want to, in your testing the spirits, so to speak, you might be able to ask yourself that question, like, is this going to cost me something? Am I going to have to give something, bring something to God? And so here God, Gideon is asking the question, I want to know that it's you. And so he said, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. We're not going to take the time to read the next few verses, but God receives the offering with fire and, and Gideon is blown away like, oh, I just talked to God. I just, I just talked to God. I just talked to God. And so I want you to see from the outset that Gideon's calling that we, we learned last week, oh, mighty warrior, the confirmation of Gideon's calling was worship, was worship. And it happens in a, in a way that is not intuitive. I think that most of the time when we're thinking about asking someone for a sign, we're asking them to do something for us, right? Like if you're like, hey, if you're really in on this deal, show me a sign and put 10% down, put 20%. Usually when we want a sign from somebody else, what do we want? We want them to give us something. Now watch how counterintuitive Gideon's actions are. Here's the calling of God. I want you to save Israel. You've never done anything in your life. To our knowledge, he's never fought a battle in his life. But God sees something in him. He puts something in him. And now he's trying to draw it out. And now Gideon's like, well, I want to know before I put my family on the line, before I put my life on the line, like, is it you, God, or am I just hearing voices? And then he says this weird thing as a, if I have found favor in your sight, let me bring you worship. It wasn't God, give me something. It was, if I found favor in your sight, receive my worship. Gideon's first response to God's favor was to bring something to him. 
And I want you to know that you cannot follow God. You cannot worship God. You cannot know God without bringing something. In the Old Testament, they would put animals on an altar. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, it's ultimately those things were a symbolic reflection of our heart, that God wants you to give him your heart. All throughout the scriptures, systematic theology, when people followed after God, they brought something. Whenever Abraham was called to follow after God, he ultimately miraculously has this son named Isaac. And then God says, now give him back to me. And they stood at the base of this mountain and they, they worshiped God. They offered a sacrifice. And then they went up the mountain and Abraham prepared to bring God his best his only son, he lays upon an altar and he learned the difference between worship and sacrifice that you have to bring your best. And I think so many of us as Christians, we are following after God and we would say we want God's best. But then when he gives us great things, when he gives us the very best things, and then he says, sometimes I want you to give those back to me. Ooh, have you ever tried to take your child's favorite toy? Have you ever seen the strength of a toddler? Anybody in here? It's like, and they all say, mine, 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 mine. Get two siblings. Mine, mine. Go to the nursery. Mine. What if it, in that moment where we're going to unlock the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, Abraham offering his only begotten son was a, the greatest symbolic picture in all the Bible of what God was going to do to save us. So Abraham was participating in painting the greatest picture of how God was going to save all of mankind. What if he would have said, no, God, this is mine. It's mine. You see, in order for you to follow after God, you're going to have to bring him something. He ultimately wants your heart. The disciples, whenever they met Jesus, what'd they do? They dropped the nets. They had, to bring, they had to bring it, let it go in order to follow after him. You can find numerous examples. The apostle Paul said, I count all things as loss in order that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I just want to ask you, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? Are you bringing your praise are you bringing your worship? Are you bringing your heart? Are you bringing your best and laying it on the altar and say, God, I know you gave it to me and now I give it back. And you know what God does? He's like, thank you for that. And now I give it back. And like God just like he gives it more and more and more to those who understand that it's God's blessing that allows me to breathe. It's God's blessing that allows me to thrive and succeed. It's God's blessing over my relationship. Whenever we think about this, this trade-off, in order to have a successful relationship with a person, it's all about sacrifice. Whenever you got married, if you thought that marriage was to get what you wanted, <laughs> when you, if you thought that, then it did not take you long to unfigure that out. Anybody know what I'm talking? Like marriage is a losing proposition. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that if you do it God's way, you're saying that I lose in deference to the person that I love, that I love them so much, I would rather them be happy 
than me be happy or, or it's a sacrifice of what I, it's like my wife, she might want to watch a romantic comedy and I might want to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger just mow people down. They both bring us equal happiness and we sacrifice for the other depending on the night. But I do that because I love her and I love it when she's happy. In marriage, the Bible says the two shall become one. So if you're thinking individualistically while you're in a relationship that was supposed to bring unity, then you're going in the wrong direction. So in order for do it God's way, you have to say we're one. That means that you lose a lot. You lose all of your, men, you lose everything. If you're doing it God's way, the Bible says that, that you are to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. That means that if you lead your house the way that God told you to lead your house, you lead it by sacrificing and by serving your family and pointing them to the guy who ultimately served them all the way to the cross. It's a beautiful picture of the way that Jesus Christ leads us. And so you have to bring something if you want to worship him. You can't worship him without a sacrifice. And so I would just encourage you to think about what is it that you are bringing? What is in your hand to give? And don't tell me this mess, you don't have anything. A red paperclip got a two-story house. Imagine what a heart fully devoted to God could bring. I wish all the examples were positive. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler over there, Mark chapter 10, he came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor and you can be my disciple. And the Bible says he was a man of great wealth. So he hung his head and he walked away sorrowful. You don't want cheap grace. You don't want cheap grace. What do I mean by cheap grace? Well, grace, the favor of God that Gideon just referenced, if I have found favor in your sight, grace is God's favor towards you. Not because you're the fastest, not because you're the prettiest, not because you're the wealthiest. God's grace really has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has to do with him. And the Bible says that he's a gracious God who is just looking for opportunities to give to his children. As a matter of fact, his heart was so much towards you that the Bible says that he gave his only begotten son. And unlike Abraham with Isaac, he did not spare his son. That his son died on that cross and he gave his life. And God gave you that gift, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but because he wanted to save people that were like Gideon, sitting in the darkness, fearful of who was going to take my next thing. You don't want cheap grace. What I mean by that is that grace that God has given us, if we give anything less than our best, we cheapen it. If we give God the pennies that are left over, the change, that is left over from the purchases of us living our lives for ourselves and then tell God that our pennies are our best, I'm telling you, you're cheapening grace. You can't survey the cross and come to any other conclusion than God is worth your best, your best gift, your best effort, your best song. And don't tell me you can't sing. 
It's not your singing voice. Trust me in this. It is the worship that is in your heart that he wants to draw out to the surface. And when you realize that the grace of God allows you to breathe, move, and have your being, then every day is a gift from him. When you look at the bank account and say, well, that's not my money, that's his money. When you look at your wife, your husband, and say, well, that's not my wife, that's not my, that, you look at your children and you say, those aren't my children, those are God. When all of it belongs to him, then every day is a gift, right? I'd hope that you would think that if you want to follow after Gideon's example and you want to get to the light, you're going to have to bring something. And I would just ask you what you're bringing today and is it your best? In Judges 6.25, it says, The same night the Lord said to him. So here's my connection point. The same night. So they have this interaction during the day and it was his worship during the day that allowed him to hear God. The message that you need tonight is connected to the worship that you give today. Now think about that for just a moment. In a moment, we're gonna have another chance for you to worship. What if how you received God's word today, that's a form of worship, and then how you worship him in the singing part of the service is how you worship. What if the message that you're going to need tonight when you're laying in bed, going through a dark time, what if the message that you need to get you to the next morning was wrapped in how you worship today. Did you know that your worship makes a difference? Did you know that how you surrender to God makes a difference? I would hate for a person sitting in this room right now that was going to need a message tonight. But because they didn't worship today, that disconnection led you to miss the moment that you needed. I would hate for a person that's going through financial troubles and they don't even understand that it's their heart towards God that affects this stuff over here. For a person who's going through a family struggle, a marriage struggle, a divorce, for a child that's in a broken home and they're trying to figure out, does anyone even love me? For all of the people that are going through these moments in the dark, I'm telling you, if you'll worship during the day, if you'll worship when God presents the opportunity, it's connected to the next message that you're going to need in the night. And so if we'll worship today and trade, trade this sacrifice. Imagine Gideon started off hiding, pressing down. He's, he's in this wine press in this hole in the ground. He's throwing up the wheat in the air and he's doing it all wrong because he was motivated by fear. And now all of a sudden he's been transformed and he's motivated by faith. And now the scarcity mentality of trying to hide from the enemy that's going to take it from me is transformed to, hey, I'm going to bring out my best gift. I'm going to lay it on the altar and I'm going to give it back to God. And I don't care what the enemy thinks because if God is with me, it doesn't matter who's against me. All this, that happened in an instant, in a moment. There's no doubt there's people sitting in this audience. You need that transformation. You need to allow that faith to replace your fear and realize that God has more than enough for what you need right now. And if your heart is broken into a thousand pieces, I promise you, worship will begin to put that back together. If all the doors seem locked, worship is the key that begins to unlock them. So I want to encourage you because if you miss an episode of Gideon. It's kind of like, has anybody ever binge watch things? Anybody binge watch things nowadays? I'm sure everybody in here does. There's a new term 
called binge cheating. Does anybody know what this is? Like if you and your spouse are watching something together and then like you started up at the episode that you thought you were on and you're like, wait a minute, when did that person die? Wait a minute, when did that person, when did that thing get, where, who? And you realize that they cheated on you and they watched episodes when you weren't around and now people are looking up, you watched three episodes. Binge cheating. Admit you're lost. Whenever you don't listen to God in the moment, you come back and you're like, where's God at? Or you, you go out into the field and you look out there and you're like, why aren't there any crops being, that are coming up? Why isn't there any fruit? And I would wonder, like, did you miss some episodes? Did you miss some opportunities to give? Did you miss some opportunities to respond? Did you refuse to open your hand and bring something to him? Man, I would hate for anyone in here to miss out on a season of God's blessing because they didn't worship in the moment. It goes on to say that same night, the Lord came to him and he said, take a second bull. We're going to do another offering. He says, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build the proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God on top of the rock, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down and there offer a second offering. I noticed in this that there's, there's something to bring in the first part of the passage, but then there's something to tear down. And man, I'm going to tell you, tearing down stuff that your father built in you, it's tough, isn't it? Tough. We can be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and still have altars that our father built for us. Altars to God's that are not real, that cannot answer, that are dead. And we go running to our father's altar and we believe that our father's altar will save us. But many of us weren't raised with God. They didn't show us a path. They didn't show us the truth. They didn't show us the light. And God is calling Gideon. He's saying, if you're going to follow after me, the way that you used to worship and the way that you were raised, you're going to have to tear that down. Do you think there's anything inside of us that we need to tear down that, that we inherited? Do you think there's any wrong pictures? Things that are competing with God's best for our life or preventing God's best in our life? Sometimes we have these patterns that we start repeating just like those altars that were to these foreign gods, these pagan gods. Sometimes you're gonna have to tear those down. Anything that's competing or preventing God's best in your life, it would be so much better if you tore that down. He says, not only is there a place to tear down, he said, there's something to build up. Man, as Christians, he wants you to build something. It, it, once you start taking this down, you're creating the space for God to build. And he said, I want you to take the wood from the Asherah pole, which was this, I can't even get in. It would not be PG-3. It wouldn't be rated R appropriate. Let's just say the worst of the worst happened at the Asherah pole. He said, I want you to cut that wood up and then it's going to be consumed in a sacrifice for me. Now that's really awesome because that tells me that God wants us to repurpose our resources 
for him. That he could take that which was conceived in a mind to do wrong, and then when it's arranged appropriately, when it's configured correctly, all of a sudden that which was or conceived in, in doing something wrong can then produce something that's right. Almost like someone who was broken by sin and addiction and broken relationships or trying to satisfy yourself with some pleasure and that, that maybe relationship to relationship or money to money, job to job, all those things and it has not satisfied your soul yet. What if you're using your resources incorrectly? What if God wants you to repurpose your resources so that you can tear something down in order to build something up and then he could take all the wrongs, reconfigure it, and all of a sudden you could get something right out of your life. Isn't God incredible that he can do that? Some of you are incredible at making money. Are you using that resource for God? Some of you are incredible at leading. Are you using that resource for God? Some of you are incredible at connecting. Are you using that resource for God? Some of you are incredible at handy stuff. Some of you are incredible just at being cordial and hospitality. Are you using those gifts for God? Man, if you want to unlock God's best for your life, you're going to have to bring him something. And I would encourage you, according to the grace of God that he's given you, bring him your best. Yeah, there's going to be some things that you have to tear down. But what he's going to build in his place, oh my gosh, that's a life that you dreamed of. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you give us the courage to tear the things down that are competing and that are preventing you to get us to the light. God, I pray for every heart in here that is hurting, that are going through life and, and they haven't had you, God, in their life to, to direct them, to love them, to rebuild them, to redeem them. That God, even in this moment, you would begin calling them and telling them that if they would just give up and surrender to Jesus, that what you would give back is a love that they've never experienced in this world. What you would give back is a purpose that they've never known in their lives. For the people like the young rich ruler that are holding on to it and you're defining your value by temporal things, God is saying step out of the temporal because the eternal is what's going to last forever. And God is looking for people who are going to take the best that he has blessed you with and put it on the altar and say, God, here is my best. And then watch, church. Watch what he unleashes in your life. You can't even fathom, the Bible says, what he would do if your heart was completely devoted to him. We're getting ready to have a moment of worship. And what if today, the worship that we do today would affect the message you're going to hear tonight? Would it change the passion which, which we give it? Would you guys rise with us? Let's put our hands together and let's praise God in his house today.